everyone. Welcome to The Bake Take. It's your host, Moesha. Um, today, we're going to be talking about like some of the reasons there haven't been any new episodes um, in a bit. Um, the topic of today's episode is something that many people in the protest space, myself included, have experienced. Um, so today, we're going to be discussing activist burnout. Personally, it's something I've been grappling with for a while, and it's just been tough trying to like balance that along with like just simple day-to-day priorities. Um, so for like folks who don't know, I work a full-time job in addition to my commitment to full-time activism. So from Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. to 5.30 p.m., I am accountable to my bread supplier. And my job might not know it, but they are basically like partly funding the revolution. So this is a job that I'm holding on to for multiple reasons, including, you know, to provide funds for like the activism and stuff. So in addition to this, like currently I organize like essentially full time with Good Trouble Cooperative. I organize, I would say, Honestly, like it turns out to be about like part time with liberators. Um, and essentially, Good Trouble Co op is uh, abolitionist, uh, BIPOC led um, group in DC. And we do like weekly mutual aid, we do um, direct action, we do emergency response, and things like that, um, things of that nature. And with Liberators. Liberators is a project that was started by a good friend of mine. And essentially, it's just um, providing like black and radical books to black people, like so the black people are able to see themselves in books, um, because it's rough um, just seeing yourself as the character in um, what you call it, like To Kill a Mockingbird. Like, I think it was Tom Robinson was the character's name. Um, but like, it's only to be like a criminal or like a second hand character, um, is how black people basically like see themselves in the books that, you know, the, the American education system has kind of like said that, oh yes, these are the staples of, um, American literature. So the goal of the liberators is to kind of just bring just like I said, like black and radical reads to um, just black and brown communities. So like with that, in addition to just like other miscellaneous tasks that I've taken upon myself, um, I'm basically working like two and a half jobs and it's rough, you know, um, because I also feel responsible to commit to activism, like whenever I can. And this commitment, it extends beyond like a nine to five. It's a 24 seven commitment. And at times, like it can definitely feel a bit like overbearing or overwhelming. Um, and it seems that I can never do enough, like in either realm, whether it be like my paid work or my volunteer work. Um, so it feels like that once I'm like caught up on my paid work, there's a call for a direct action or I miss out on my paid job to attend an emergency action or I'm like skipping out on my paid job to attend a planning call. Um, it just seems like there's just always something going on. But 
with all of this, like being said, I do want to iterate that in no way am I implying that, you know, the experience of feeling burnout is exclusive to people who work, whether it be full-time or part-time. Like there are people who, you know, do not have jobs that experience burnout, that can experience burnout, whether that be, you know, your normal burnout or activist burnout. Um, But for me personally, it's only like further like complicated my own personal situation. And I figured it would be helpful to provide like some context um, and an explanation as to just why y'all haven't been getting consistent (laughs) episodes. Um, Because the people that I've been reaching out to, to record some of these episodes, like they have just been burnt out, like busy, burnt out, just tired. Um, We're going to, yeah, like go through all of the symptoms of activist burnout. Um, But that's like just one of the, the main reasons as to like why the episodes have been just kind of like not there. And then also just for like myself, you know, like I also am experiencing activist burnout, like, and it's not even just the people that I'm hoping to record these episodes with to provide to y'all. Cause I do have like some, some, you know, sick ideas that I'm hoping to incorporate in the future, but only when people have, you know, like the capacity to do it. Right. Um, so I think, yeah, let's just get into, I guess, like the definitions, right? Um, so back to today's topic, what activist burnout. So what is activist burnout? It can manifest in many ways. So according to everydayfeminism.com, you might feel one, a few, all or none of the following. Anxiety, guilt, isolation, irritability, anger, sadness, pessimism, disappointment, numbness, fatigue or insomnia, lack of motivation, physical pain or sickness. And these feelings can stem from a number of causes, right? So I read a write-up in Psychology Today that talks about a study published by Paul Gorski of George Mason, George Mason University. Um, that was, yeah, that was a mouthful. Paul Gorski of George Mason University, per. So through studying other like activist participants, he concludes that the four main causes of activist burnout are emotional dispositional causes, backlash causes, structural causes, and in movement causes. I'm going to break these down one by one just so we can get a better understanding like overall of like each of these causes. So for burnout rooted in emotional dispositional causes, the participants grappled with feeling personal responsibility for eradicating racism. Um, So this can be, you know, basically just exactly as it says, like they, they feel like it's their duty to, um, you know, eradicate racism from the world. So moving on to the next one, the study describes 
burnout rooted in backlash causes as involving putting one's employment or body in harm's way. So for example, activists felt like they couldn't talk about their activism at work without backlash. So that's coming towards like their economic stability. Um, and or they felt physically vulnerable in protest spaces and in their personal lives as many activists received threats or were followed. And this is this definitely hits very close to home um, because like many of the activists that I know describe similar situations, similar circumstances where they were followed home after actions. Um, I too have been followed, not home, thankfully, not yet, um, knock on wood, but um, I have been followed, you know, after actions um, to the extent of, you know, where I'll just basically like hide someplace for a few hours or like stay someplace for a few hours um, just so that, you know, I won't be followed to my place of residence or I won't endanger someone else by potentially giving up like their place of residence. So that's kind of like just the, the risk, um, that people feel there and like the, the cause of like backlash, um, that some people experience and that some people feel. So another cause that they list, um, in this study is structural causes so this includes structural racism and combating ideologies that racism is not an issue in this country. And this is basically, you know, like people that go out in the streets and they shout, you know, um, uh, no justice, no peace and, you know, Black Lives Matter and all of these different things. But they go to the grocery store the next day or they go to the department store the next day and they're followed in the department store because you know they have black skin and someone thinks that they might be more prone to stealing um and it's like okay damn like you feel like you're doing everything right everything that you're supposed to be doing like you're fighting for justice for you know like our slain siblings that have you know lost their lives to this racist state and you turn around and it might not be like the state, you know, that's uh, persecuting you in this grocery store in this department store, but it's like, damn, like, can I catch a break? Yo, like um, the fucking pigs were literally just, you know, threatening to shoot fucking pepper, pepper spray and um, like rubber bullets and shit, you know, and you turn around and you can't even go to the grocery store and catch a break. So that's, you know, just one of the ways that like structural causes can affect you. And then also just like combating ideologies um, with racists, essentially, that say that racism like doesn't exist in this country. So I know that that's something that, you know, if you've ever been on Facebook, that's something that people, you know, experience there quite often. Um, and then also, you know, I haven't had to go through this with any of my family members, but I know there are some white people who are having to ex explain to their racist ass family that they are racist. And the white families are like, how could you, how could you do us like this? This is wild. This is egregious. And they're like, yo, no, you're racist. Like, 
accept it, um, move on. And that's something, you know, I think our like white accomplices experience that more than like our black and brown comrades. Um, and maybe like some of the brown people, like specifically like the Latinx folks, um, because I hear like a conversation quite often from some of our Latinx comrades is that, um, you know, like with colonialism came racism and the racism like experienced in the um, like South American and Central American countries, um, it's similar to what was experienced in the US. Like everything is based off the tone of your skin and darker skinned people just didn't have as many opportunities in any country in the Americas. Um, so that's just something that, you know, people are grappling with, with their family members and having to explain like, yo, when you say that it might not be appropriate. And it's hard to, to have to have these conversations, but it's important to have these conversations. So yeah, let's have these conversations. Um, but this is one that I wanted to, like the last point that they hit about just different causes of uh, activist burnout. The last point that they hit, I really wanted to spend some time here because they talk about in-movement causes. And I know a lot of people have left the activist space based on how, you know, they were treated, how others reacted to certain situations, um, and so on and so forth. And I think it's, you know, so important to remember that saying by Maya Angelou, and that's, you know, that, you know, some, someone might forget what you said, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And that, you know, hits so close because I feel like, you know, for me personally, when I came into this activist space, there was one activist who I was just obsessed with and anywhere that they were going, I was going there because they were the person that I thought was going to lead us into the revolution. And for this person specifically, like they just turned out to not be like the person that I expected. Um, you know, when that saying goes, you know, like, don't, don't meet your heroes. And I, you know, personally felt that I needed to meet my hero because I wanted to be like them and I wanted to learn from them. And this person was so similar to me in so many ways. And I was like, oh, well, you know, if they can do this, I can do this. Like I too can help, you know, lead, lead my people, uh, to revolution. And I too can help, you know, myself grow stronger mentally and physically and be able to just, you know, be a strong person in this movement. And I get to know this person and like I said, they are just not 
anything like I thought they would be. Um, just constantly preaching like revolutionary love and I'm not um, receiving that same love. And it was very disheartening for me um, because I, I very much like looked up to this person, right? And for me to not get the revolutionary love that I thought that they were, you know, preaching that I, I ought to get, I was like shook. I was very disheartened. And for a while, like I considered removing myself from the activist space because it it didn't seem right to me that someone that I thought was, you know, so good at all of this, that was so well uh, so well learned in radical love and um, transformative justice and accountability and in all these different things, like just to learn that this was that my expectations just weren't met. Um, I was just shook. Um, and like I said, like I considered leaving, but I ended up um, just persevering and continuing my involvement in this movement. Um, but I think it's important to recognize that I very easily could have left, um, in those moments, right. Uh, where I was being pushed out and thankfully, um, I had a support team that was there to say, Oh, you know, don't even worry about it. Like we got you. And yeah, like they have me and it's, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for, for them because had they not been there, I might not be talking to you all in the way that I am today. Right. Um, I might not be able, like me and this person now, like we're able to look at one another and have, you know, a, a decent conversation, but had I not been able to accept that they just didn't live up to my expectations and also just that like the principles that I felt that they embodied just weren't the ones that they were really living up to. Um, in my opinion, like I could have easily just left in that moment. Um, but like I said, like I just kept going thanks to the support of those around me. But I do want to like point out something that back to like this study and not like my personal stuff, but the study that we were just talking about conducted by uh, Gorski, he says that the issue like with how activists treat one another, it factors down to ego and they found that there was a lot of like competition that overrode cooperation and that's something that you can witness like even at a march um where people are leading chants and people will get competitive with chants and for me like i'm i'm a very loud person i often help you know, lead the chance. And I have never been like, oh, I need to cut this person off um, in order to, you know, fulfill myself. 
um, is essentially how that goes. But I've had multiple people um, that have come to cut me off. And it's, it's not like, you know, in my opinion, I don't think I was doing a bad job. Um, but in that moment, they wanted to be heard. So in that moment, what I'll do is I'll fall back and I'll just support them. But as, you know, referencing the, the study, they said that competition often overrode cooperation. And it's something so simple as if you hear someone, you know, doing chants, like rather than competing with them to try to like get the the louder chant going or whatever it might be, like just make their chant louder. Um, cooperate with them, talk to them. Um, and for me personally, like another thing about marching and chanting and things, like it is tiring um, <laughs> doing the marches and the chants and stuff. So I personally like it when someone comes in and does them, but it's often not in the spirit of cooperation. It's often in the spirit of competition. Um, but regardless, I am always, always, always thankful um, when people kind of like alleviate that responsibility from me because I feel like in that moment I can focus on drinking my water, making sure, you know, the March body is where it needs to be. And just focusing on other things that I wouldn't be able to focus on had we not unintentionally cooperated. Um, so like in that situation, like that's just one situation where it actually like works out and benefits. But in other situations, like we are competing to our detriment. And I think we need to recognize that this isn't like a movement for us. This isn't a movement just so we can express just how well versed we are. Um, just so we can say that we led the most marches or we did the most mutual aid or whatever it might be. Like this is a movement to free black people. Um, and I think it's important that we focus, right? Like refocus our energy on that goal, because if we focus our energy elsewhere, then we aren't going to reach our goal. Like you're setting a different goal um, at that point. So it's important to just stay goal oriented and to kind of like remove ourselves from the goal, because this isn't for you or me. This is for all of us um, and for generations like past, present, and future. So it's important to like just keep keep perspective when we're doing these things. Um but yeah. <laughs> so, sorry for that tangent. Um that one just like I just wanted to spend some time to like focus there. But I did also want to like provide you guys like with some solutions because as I said, I too am experiencing activist burnout right now. Um, so Gorski, who's the guy who we've been talking about, like with all of the causes of activist burnout. So Gorski and his team, they suggest that rather than focusing on self-care, 
we turned to community care and worked to fix the community's needs at large. Um, so this is rather than saying like, oh, you know, like I need to take a moment to like pamper myself, um, check in with your community members and see like what the community as a whole needs. Um, so that's just one suggestion for how to kind of like combat uh, activist burnout. And then I read another another little tidbit from Lesley University. Um, it was published by Jamie Willer and Patricia James, I think is how you pronounce her name. Um, but they provide a few more tips on how to manage activist burnout. So they suggest taking a daily assessment, which is basically mapping out the things you can't control that are causing anxiety and stress, and then map out potential actions that you can take that you do have control over. They also suggest engaging in wellness planning while assessing these four categories. First, your heart. This includes your motivational needs, spiritual needs, and how you stay grounded. Second, your body. These are your biological and physical needs. Are you drinking enough water? Are you mindlessly eating? Third, mind. Your emotional needs and your thought processes. Fourth, community. Your interpersonal needs and your needs from social relationships. In addition to this, they also suggest a body scan meditation to bring awareness to each part of your body and help release tension. Um, I'll drop a link for um, like a body scan medication in the show notes, but it can be super helpful to do a body scan to kind of like just learn where you focus tension in your body, like where in your muscles you focus tension in, in your body, and it can help you be very mindful about that. So um, the next tip that they talk about is one that I like personally need to incorporate in my life. And that is scheduling action hours into your weekly calendar and sticking to it. So this can be the time that you dedicate to building community, making phone calls, writing letters, or what action you do um, like on the regular that you feel will be impactful. So another tip that they include is to be aware of the symptoms of activist burnout, which we listed earlier, but I want to add more that they include, which is cynicism or having negative associations with the work that once seemed so important and inefficacy or doubting self-worth and lack of activist achievement. So I wanna emphasize the second one, inefficacy, because so many of us feel like nothing has been achieved and that we are kind of at a, at a standstill. I do not think this is true. Um, so looking back in the past year or so, um, it's important to recognize that, like, although we are abolitionists, the U.S. quote-unquote justice system is based in punishment um, and that they, you know, punish people for committing crimes against other people. Remember that. They punish people for committing crimes against other people. Derek Chauvin was convicted of com committing a crime against another person, George Floyd. Like, that is so pivotal because we couldn't even get in 2013 we couldn't even get the jury to you know convict George Zimmerman of 
murdering a 17 year old boy when the 911 dispatcher told him not to follow him. Like we couldn't get that, you know, just seven, eight years ago. That wasn't a thing. Like that's something that we were able to do. Like we were able to change the conversations uh, surrounding, surrounding police violence against black people, uh, surrounding state violence against black people. So like that is a major achievement. Um, and then in addition to that, like we've got to look at the local wins. So some localities are getting cops out of schools. Some localities are demilitarizing their police departments. Some localities are defunding their police departments. Um, we've also seen sentence reductions and commuted sentences for drug related offenses and other like nonviolent offenses. And I just like want you all to realize we have done so much in so little time. And I just do not want you to ever doubt it. Like the work that we have done has been pivotal in securing the rights for so many like previously marginalized communities. And sorry, I say previously, like these are still marginalized communities, but like they are being put on the the radar, like, and people are caring for them because of how much we have shown that, you know, we care for them and that we care that these rights and we care that these, you know, people are protected. So it's important that we continue um, with this. So yeah, I just want you all to just keep all of that in mind as we're moving through all of this. Lastly, they suggest that you participate in collective efforts. In a collective action space, you can learn from one another to discover what has worked and what has not. A collective network of activists will also allow you to step up and step, step back as needed to give you the time and space needed to prevent work burnout while acknowledging that our revolution will not be won overnight. It is a marathon, not a sprint. We must provide ourselves with time to rest, to recollect, to heal. We must carry on the strength to fight another day. So with all of this, I want you all to please, please remember to take care of yourselves, take care of your fellow community members. I know that we are all kind of just going through our own battles, but please just remember that your community member is going through something that you don't even know the half of. Um, so while we're kind of like just going through our day to day, check in with yourself, check in with a local community member, Maybe suggest that you get like a meditation going or a community vent session or just something um, to kind of like just check in with your comrades um, because all of our comrades are kind of going through it right now. So if you've been going through it, um, take a moment to first off, light one up if that's your thing. Um, secondly, make sure you follow the Bake Take on Instagram and Twitter at Bake Take Pod. Um, you can subscribe, right? I think on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, you can write an email at 
or no, it's baketakepod at gmail.com. Or, you know, just keep listening to all the other episodes. Um, you guys stay danky, stay radical, sending much love, many kisses to you all. Um, peace.